Hey, you guys, you are listening to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast dedicated to helping you discover the scriptures in a fresh way, invest your mind and heart into your personal studies, and connect to God in your everyday life. We are your hosts, Zach and Krista Horton, and we are excited to be here studying with you today. We are in season three. Um, So this is season three, episode nine, and we are studying in the Book of Mormon, 2 Nephi chapters 26 through 30 this week. Um, So we're glad to have you along and excited to get going into this study. Hey, a couple of weeks ago, we asked for um, your comments in response to our study. We get to share with you the things that we found as we search the scriptures but we love to hear things that you find as you search as well. Um, and so we've had quite a few of you that have responded. We wanted to read just one example comment. Um, this is from A Little Frayed on Instagram, um, a comment about the atonement that we studied a little while ago. And she just says, As much as I hate to admit it, because I hate trials, I come closer to understanding a little more of how amazing the atonement is with each struggle, trial, hardship I go through. Because Jesus is where I turn for help and strength, and I feel more gratitude and amazement each time I turn to him because he has been there and provides a way each time for me to survive my struggles. I don't know what I would do without that. And it makes me want to understand his atonement even more. Such a great insight and a great way to understand the atonement. We've talked multiple times on here on how President Nelson has emphasized that it's not the atonement that saves us. It's the Savior, Jesus Christ. And the atonement is what he went through so that he could have that power and that empathy and that understanding to be our Savior and to be our comforter and to be our Redeemer. And so it's such a great comment. And um, we just wanted to share that. And we we continue to invite you, if you have, uh, as we study the scriptures and as you study we'd love to hear what you're finding what you're learning what you're feeling share it with us on instagram or email us or i don't know send us a mail by carrier pigeon or whatever but um, we'd love to hear we'd love to hear um, what you're learning and uh, we'd love to share what you're learning with others so yeah we are grateful when um just to hear what other what you guys are studying and um i think sometimes we get sick of listening to ourselves so it's fun to hear other people but thank you so much for that um and yeah i think that's it we've got for the beginning today so we are ready to get into these chapters okay i on a local radio show a couple of years ago they started doing this segment called first world problems this was yeah this was when they were like this was not a couple years ago this was like 10 years yeah ago. well that's a couple for but some people. i'm just saying this is when they first started coming out and they were hilarious yeah i laughed my head off when i listened to him in the radio and so i i went and i had to find my own collection of first world problems and so i found some and i wanted to share this is kind of fun because we haven't talked about these for no, a while no we haven't um okay <laughs> And the ones I'm I'm looking at have these really funny memes of people like looking miserable and crying. So you have to imagine the crying face as I read you the text on the meme. But it says, this one, I want to eat my potato chips, but then I can't hear the TV. <laughs> Tragic. Should I be the sound effect? Yes, please. <laughs> my laptop is dying, but the charger is in another room. The funny, yeah, these, these, you just can't help but think they're funny because you're like, I totally get that. This one, I poured my cereal into the bowl without checking to see if we still had milk. We didn't. Oh, that, That's tragic. Can I give a little commentary to all of these? Yes. 
because I one time did this. This was a long time ago when I probably, I know I was a teenager because I ate a ton of cereal, but I love Cheerios and I did that. And I'm like, I want Cheerios so bad, I'm going to put water. It was not the same. First world problem. First world problem. <laughs> there are so many unpopped kernels in my microwave popcorn. <laughs> Devastating. My roommate ate a hot dog without a bun. Now I have an uneven ratio of hot dogs to buns. <laughs> the pizza box doesn't fit in the fridge. My soda fizzed too much when I poured it into my glass, and I had to wait for the fizz to go down before I could continue pouring. That one's not as funny, but that one's okay. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> anyway, uh, maybe a random way of starting, but it's what I thought of as I started to read Second Nephi chapter 26 this week. Now, it's a lame thing to think of. Because in chapter 26, Nephi starts to describe some of the things that cause him uh, a lot of pain and a lot of anguish. In fact, um, he starts chapter 26 by saying that he knows that Christ, after he has risen from the dead, will come to his people, which of course brings him joy. But then after that Messiah will will come, that people will reject him, they'll slay the, the prophets, um, they'll turn away from the Holy One of Israel. This is all the beginning of chapter 26. Um, and because of that, they'll be visited with thunderings and lightnings and earthquakes and all manner of destructions. And then verse 27, or verse 7, sorry. Oh, the pain and the anguish of my soul for the loss and the slain of my people. For I, Nephi, have seen it, and it well nigh consumeth me before the presence of the Lord. So that's what Nephi's feeling as he starts chapter 26. Then, in his role as prophet, which is what Nephi's doing in these chapters, he just got done quoting all the Isaiah chapters where Isaiah prophesies, and now Nephi is assuming and accepting his role as prophet and preaching. And so a couple of verses later, this is verse 20, he looks into the future and sees the Gentiles, and when Nephi uses that word, he means us. He means the people that will come and live in this promised land after his people have been destroyed. The Gentiles are lifted up in the pride of their eyes and have stumbled because of the greatness of their stumbling block. And they built up many churches. Nevertheless, they put down the power and miracles of God and preach up unto themselves their own wisdom and their own learning that they may get gain and grind upon the face of the poor. That's the first world problem that Nephi sees because of the wealth and the amazing blessings that we have as a people in these modern times. We'll be lifted up in pride. We'll build up churches unto ourselves. We'll uh, disregard the poor and even more drastic. We'll ignore God and his power and turn away. Now, two years ago when we studied this block uh, in our first season of the podcast, What we dove into was how is this happening? What's Satan doing that's causing all of this? Which is a great study. This time, we want to focus on the other side of that battle. We want to focus on what God is doing to win this war and to rescue these modern day people, us, from our first world problems. And in these chapters, the thing that Nephi hones in on and talks almost exclusively about is this marvelous work and wonder, this book that's going to come from his people out of the dust of the earth um, and going to save them. This is chapter 27, 
verse 6. And it shall come to pass that the Lord God shall bring forth unto you the words of a book, and they shall be the words of them which have slumbered, meaning his people that have slumbered. And so that's the tool that God uses, the Book of Mormon that he brings forth and he uses to rescue both the descendants of Nephi and his family and these modern-day Gentiles that are caught up in all these first-world problems. What we want to study, what we'd invite you to study with us is why. Why the Book of Mormon? Why now? Why why is the Book of Mormon used to save the world, if that's not too dramatic of a saying? But maybe more importantly, if we can understand why the Book of Mormon is used to save others, we can understand why the Book of Mormon saves us, or more importantly, I guess, how the Book of Mormon can help and bless us and draw us closer to God. And isn't this, I just, maybe a pause for a minute in honor of that question, um, and I didn't think of it so I can honor it because Zach thought of the question. <laughs> but I just really think this is relevant for us today. I think this is something that um, we get asked about a lot. We need to think about a lot. Why do I believe in the Book of Mormon? I think this is something that is just really crucial. And to be honest, I was kind of having a hard time with these scriptures. I thought, wait, we talk about how hard Isaiah is. These chapters were kind of hard for me to study this time. And I just really appreciated this framework um, after Zach and I kind of got together and studied a little bit for this. But I really think that um, it's important for us to understand why the Book of Mormon, this is part of who we are as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So as you dig into these chapters, we are going to give a few examples of some of the things we found, like we always do. Um, but maybe, hopefully, it gives you some real questions to ponder about why um, and where you stand with the Book of Mormon. Okay, well, I'll start. This is 26 verse 33. It's a really well-known verse. I love it. Maybe you've heard it and read it and love it too. Um, picking up in the middle of the verse, uh, the Lord, he inviteth all to come unto him and partake of his goodness. And he denieth none that come unto him, black and white, bond and free, male and female, and he remembereth the heathen, and all are alike unto God. Now that idea is repeated multiple times throughout these chapters. Uh, chapter 29, uh, starting around verse 5. O ye Gentiles, have you remembered the Jews, mine ancient covenant people? Nay, but you've cursed them, and have hated them, and have not sought to recover them. But behold, I will return all these things upon your own heads, for I, the Lord, have not forgotten my people." Thou fool that shall say, A Bible, a Bible, we have a Bible, we need more, no more need of a Bible. Have you obtained a Bible, save it were by the Jews? Know you not that there are more nations than one? Know you not that I, the Lord your God, have created all men, and that I remember those who are upon the isles of the sea, and that I rule in the heavens above and in the earth beneath, and I bring forth my word unto the children of men, yea, even upon the nations, all the nations of the earth. Wherefore murmur ye, because that you have received more of my word? Know ye not that the testimony of two nations is a witness unto you that I am God, and that I remember one nation like unto another? Now what I love so much about this is, um, the Book of Mormon is a testimony, not just that God lives and that he loves, but that he loves everybody, every different group and per, a group of people, individual Um the Bible is a wonderful book, but it's a book about God and his covenant chosen people. The whole Old Testament, they keep getting in trouble because they're associating with the Gentiles and the others. 
And there's great lessons to be learned from that study. But the Book of Mormon has a very different message. Think about it. Uh, the quote-unquote chosen people, you would say, are probably the Nephites, and the book ends with them being destroyed. A majority of the book focuses on others, on people who are outside of this chosen group of people. For example, the greatest missionaries in the Book of Mormon are Alma and the sons of Mosiah, all of whom come from outside of this chosen group of people. They're they're converts. They're changed and repentant men that cause these great works. Um, then they go on a mission to the Lamanites, and a whole uh, swath of the Book of Mormon after that is focused on Lamanites, on another group of others who are converted and who are brought into the church. And Mormon goes to great lengths to highlight always how faithful these Lamanites were, even more faithful than the Nephites. And how they bring with them their families, and they bury their weapons, and then their sons become the 2,000 stripling warriors, and they change the face of the war. And so, if we were to focus on, if we are to ask what the focus is of the Book of Mormon, one of the main ones might be God showing over and over and over again that he does care and love all people, that all are alike unto him, bond and free, male and female, black and white, this nation, that nation, isles of the sea, these people, those people, that he's a God over all people. And I think that's a message that we absolutely need today. And the Book of Mormon is uniquely situated to say that to the world and to hopefully say that to us so that when we feel like we're on the outside, we can read the Book of Mormon and realize, wait a minute, this is a whole book of people who felt like they were on the outside and who God reached out to, saved, rescued, and brought back to him. And when we're looking at the Book of Mormon in that way, I love that because, I mean, we talk about all the time that he appeared to another group of people and you know maybe he appeared to more than that more than just that one other group but it proves that God is greater than just this one story that we have of him and I think for me it's great evidence too that we need this continuing um, revelation through latter-day prophets and through a living church Um, and I really think that that just kind of brings up this next next scripture that I want to read um starting in 2 Nephi chapter 27. This is verse 23. So this is, again, Nephi quoting a little bit of Isaiah. He says, For behold, I am God, and I am a God of miracles, and I will show unto the world that I am the same yesterday, today, and forever, and I work not among the children of men, save it be according to their faith. Um, If we again go back to this idea that we were talking about before, is that if we're thinking about miracles... Um, we go back to the Bible and we see big miracles. We see the parting of the Red Sea. And we hear Nephi talking a lot about those miracles. He, he relies on those miracles. Um, and we look in the New Testament and we look at the way that Christ healed people as he was on the earth. And these are these really big miracles. Um, and to Nephi's point, as we move along, is that that's maybe not what we're going to see today. The Book of Mormon, however, tells a different story. We see these very personal miracles. We see these miracles of conversion. We see these miracles of the heart changes. And we see people, all of those people that Zach mentioned before, these these missionaries that were working against the church and changing their hearts because of the power of, um, of Jesus Christ. And I think those for me at least, that's what I see the Book of Mormon as, is this very relatable book. We can see ourselves in these stories because this is the kind of miracles that we're experiencing too, are the kind of miracles 
that um, that Nephi is experiencing, that Jacob is experiencing. And um, although we can, at least I, can gain a lot of faith from these miracles that we see in the Old Testament, the Book of Mormon brings to life um, something that maybe we don't see in those other books. In fact, I've noticed something um, as I've studied the last couple of weeks with the Isaiah chapters and then this week. Um, Nephi has favorite scriptures. And I think I mentioned last week one of his favorite scriptures. I found another one. Uh, this is back in chapter 21, verse 11. This is one of the Isaiah chapters. And it says, Shall come to pass that in the day, in that day, the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people. In chapter 25, this is Nephi now, verse 17. The Lord will set his hand again the second time to restore his people from their lost and fallen state. And then in chapter 29 in this block this week, Behold, there shall be many at that day when I shall proceed to do a marvelous work among them, that I may remember my covenants which I had made unto the children of men, that I may set my hand again the second time to recover my people which are of the house of Israel. In other words, I think the miracle that Nephi is most fascinated with is that God is a restorer and a recoverer. It's, he's the God that brings people back. And, and so I love this idea that the Book of Mormon is the book that proves that Yes, the God of the Old Testament can part the Red Sea and the God of the New Testament can heal the blind. Um, but the Book of Mormon emphasizes that that same God also can change hearts and recover his fallen and lost people. Yeah, I like that. I like that you said can also, because I was going to say, well, we do see some of those miracles, you know, that we talk about from the Old and New Testament still. So I think that he also does those things and maybe even... Um, a little more for some of the challenges that we face today. Yeah. I guess to go along with that, this is uh, chapter 27, verse 25. It's a small one. Another well-known verse. For as much as this people draw near unto me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their hearts far from me. Um, the angel Moroni quotes that to Joseph Smith, of course, and Nephi here writes it as well. And then verse 26. Therefore, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people. Yea, a marvelous work and wonder. In other words, the marvelous work in a wonder is done to solve something in that verse preceding him. And I think the thing that this marvelous work in a wonder is brought, or that, sol that it solves, is that men's hearts have grown far from God. And the Book of Mormon is a book of heart. Um, I had a Book of Mormon uh, seminary teacher that would always talk about the emotion that's in the Book of Mormon if you just look for it. If you just kind of put yourself in it, and it is, because these stories are kind of gritty, um, you see people making mistakes. I love them, be it to the war chapters. I love that there's a chapter about Captain Moroni overreacting and being harsh and critical. I mean, here's this great hero, and he makes mistakes. And we see Second Nephi chapter 4, a great Book of Mormon hero, Nephi, who laments about his sins and his temptations. And so there's all these really gritty people, and as you read it, you can't help but have your heart drawn towards them. And then when you feel more like Nephi or more like Captain Moroni or more like Alma the Younger, you then, of course, can't help but feel drawn to God who's reaching out and helping and saving them. And so I love that the Book of Mormon is here to draw our hearts closer to God. This next one, to answer this question, comes in chapter 28, verse 30. For behold, thus saith the Lord God, I will give unto the children of men, line upon line, precept upon precept, 
Hear a little, there a little, and blessed are those who hearken unto my precepts, and lend an ear unto my counsel, for, for they shall learn wisdom. For unto him that receiveth I will give more, and from them that shall say we have enough, from them shall we shall be taken away, even that which they have. Um, if this isn't one of, even reading that scripture again, I'm like, whoa, that's probably why I sounded like I couldn't read very good. Because <laughs> I was like, whoa, this is cool. But I love the principle that um, the Book of Mormon teaches this. And I hope that this is something that you've experienced. Um, that idea that he says here, lend an ear to my counsel, for they shall learn wisdom. For unto him that receiveth, I will give more. Um, I'm thinking of the Leahona in this. It almost that we read about with Lehi and Nephi is that if you if you give a little to me, I'm going to give you back a lot more. And I think that's why we can read through the Book of Mormon so many times and continue to gain insights and wisdom and revelation for our own lives because as we give more to the Book of Mormon, it gives even more back to us. Which is why you can, like you mentioned the Liahona, and it talks about the Liahona, the writing changing from time to time. I think the Book of Mormon does that. Anyone who's read the Book of Mormon more than once knows as you read it, new things come out to you. And it never stops to do that because each time you read it, you're now able to give more thought and more heart and more prayer and understanding to it. The more you do that, the more God is able to give back to you understanding line upon line and precept upon precept. Mm -hmm. And I think it teaches this too, that the Book of Mormon helps teach this in a general scope with in as a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that, you know, we talk about this all the time, the line upon line, precept upon precept here a little and there a little. Um, and I love that idea as how the book of Mormon is tied in with the restoration and all that we have going on. And I think that's really relevant for us right now as we prepare for general conference is this, oh, I'm going to say it wrong. Bicentennial. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. What is it? The 200 year anniversary. <laughs> um, that's right. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have questioned myself. I sounded much smarter before I questioned myself. But um, so the idea that as we study about the restoration and what's happening, this idea of that ongoing revelation that the book, well, the ongoing restoration and ongoing revelation that the Book of Mormon helps solidify. Um, I just couldn't help but think of this quote from President Uchtdorf. Are you sleeping through the restoration? He says, Sometimes we think of the restoration of the gospel as something that is complete, already behind us. Joseph Smith translated the Book of Mormon. He received priesthood keys. The church was organized. In reality, the restoration is an ongoing process. We are living in it right now. It includes all that God has revealed, all that he does now reveal, and the many great and important things that he will yet reveal. I think that's really exciting. And for me... Um, it answers a lot of those questions that we asked at the beginning, why the Book of Mormon is because that there is an ongoing restoration. There's more coming. There's more revelation needed for, for our day. And I love that the Book of Mormon does that for me. Elder uh, Stevenson gave a talk at BYU um, a couple of months ago called The Ongoing Restoration. We'll put links to both of these in the show notes. Um, but in that, the very first thing that he quotes is this now very well-known and well-loved quote from President Nelson, where he says, this is Elder Stevenson quoting President Nelson, We are witnesses to a process of restoration. If you think the church has been fully restored, you are just seeing the beginning. There's much more to come. Wait until next year, and then the next year. Eat your vitamins, get your rest. It's going to be exciting.
Uh, this is 2 Nephi 29, verse 9, another thing that the Book of Mormon proves. I do this, says verse 9, that I may prove unto many that I am the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that I speak forth my words according to mine own pleasure. And because that I have spoken one word, you need not suppose that I cannot speak another, for my work is not yet finished, neither shall it be until the end of man. Um, I love that the Book of Mormon shows that God is not done talking, he's not done working, and he won't be done until the end of everything. And so the Book of Mormon shows that to the world, but it should also show that very personally to us that God is not done with us. He's not done with you. He's not done with your family. He's not done with your growth, with your children's growth, with your parents' growth, with your siblings. He's not done converting. He's not done changing. He is a God of miracles. He is a God that loves all of his people. He's a God who claims the heart. And this Book of Mormon is the tool he's going to use to do it for the world. It's also the tool he's going to use to do it for you. You guys, these are some really wonderful chapters, um, lots of great stuff in here, and I think really relevant to to our day right now. Um, so thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here with us. We know there's a lot of podcast choices these days, especially when it comes to Come Follow Me. So we're grateful for, for all of you for sticking with us and studying along with us. And I haven't asked this for a while, but I, we would love to, for you to go and leave us a review or give us a rating on your podcast app. Subscribe if you haven't already. Um, we're just grateful for all of the support and wanted to say thank you. So that's it. Thank you. Hope you have a great week. Bye.